for a few days and then I flew, you know, the rest of the way. But uh, that was an un un unanticipated visit. So we're in, I mean, you, uh, you could get a last-minute hotel room in Salem? Um, I got lucky. I, I totally got lucky. I, I stayed at the uh, at the Hawthorne Hotel, which is where the Bewitched cast stayed when they filmed there. So that made me very, it was more a little more expensive, but I was like, uh, yeah, I got to stay there. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's so strange right now. I'm starting to feel really old. I mean, uh, the except for Aaron, most of the Bewitched cast is gone. Uh, and um, now with Star Trek, there's only three people left from the original Star Trek. I, I mean, it just it makes me feel so old. <laughs> well, it's, it's the passage of time. It's inevitable. I know. That's what my brother said, inevitable. I know it's inevitable. It does make me feel better. <laughs> well, I'll give you that. <laughs> my brother said the exact same thing. You know, well, we're getting older. It's inevitable. Gee, thanks. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. There's no law that says we have to feel good about it. I, I, I mean, I have my own struggles with aging. That, that's why I wrote about it a little bit in the book. I know, I know. It's so strange. Oh, did I tell you that I love the Aunt Clara chapter? Oh no, no. But I'm glad you did. And that's of course the chapter that deals with the aging. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert, everybody. I brought Aunt Clara back. <laughs> I really loved it. I loved the whole thing. It was just really cool. I just felt like she needed a backstory because she didn't really have one. And, um, you know, witches are supposed to live, you know, two, three, four thousand years. So it only made sense. It, it just it gave me a lot of, um, well, I had to research, you know, all the periods, which was fascinating. And then just finding a way to work that all into Aunt Clara's experience. You know, so so basically, I mean, you know, she was when we watched her on the show. You know, she's looked at the as the bumbling elderly witch, but obviously she had a life. You know, for for thousands of years before that, so um, that's what made it so much fun for me to go back and kind of you know flush her history out a little bit. It's funny because I have I was nine years old in 1970, and I was. Eight, no, I was 17 in 19, 19, no, it's, wait, I'm getting it all messed up. In 1979, I would be 18, so in 1980, I would be 19. So my range was from 9 to 19 in the 70s. Yeah. So I have a really good memory of the period. I mean, the earlier period, I mean, I was nine. So it's it's a child's viewpoint. But the later 70s, when I was a teenager, I remember it really well. <laughs> well, yeah, of course you would. I mean, I was a little younger. I was in the 70s. I was like one uh, <laughs> to, to ten. Yeah, that was my 60s memories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you know, yeah. Because goes, do you remember this in the six? I go, no. I was um, when John Kennedy died. I was two. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I I don't have any memory. They go, oh, you must remember. How did you feel when John Kennedy died? I go, I didn't feel anything about it. I really don't remember it. I was two. Yeah, I, exactly. <laughs> I I had feelings about Robert Kennedy. I remember that really well. But John Kennedy, I was a BB. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just you know, people like that when they find out. Oh, you were born in '61, so that means that you were around when John Kennedy died. I was just a baby. <laughs> well, I, I remember more from the mid-70s on, but that's what also made the book fun was that um, going back and looking things up that I remembered or finding things out that I didn't remember. And, you know, so there's, it's not just about Bewitched. There's, it, it's, a, it's a landscape of the 70s mm -hmm. as well. And then there's tons of Easter eggs 
And you know, anybody that lived through that time, whether they were an adult or a child, you know, is going to go, oh, my God, I totally remember this. It's interesting, isn't it? It's just, you, you think about it. The the sixties and the seventies were like these amazing, scary, uh, great, uh, all this all 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 kinds of stuff all jumbled into these decades, um, and yet, I mean, I remember one thing I remember is like sitting in the car waiting for gas in a line. Oh yeah, well I remember seeing stuff about that in the in the news, even though I didn't quite get what was going on. But now, you know, knowing what was going on, I said, "Oh, I totally remember seeing that on the news." Yeah. Yeah, my 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 parents were very intelligent because it was like in the mid seventies, so we were both pretty young still. Yeah. So my um my um we were in Ohio when it started, and so my parents gave us like coloring books. <laughs> And and my mom gave me a paper doll book. My brother, uh, uh, one of those little car things that you couldn't have on like a board, you know, just to so we weren't so bored sitting in the back of the car. But it's easily stored, you know, somewhere um, when we get to where we're going. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but and my dad would put music on we liked, and you know, anything, so we weren't. Uh, trying. I'm I'm hungry. Where are we gonna go eat? You know. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> he, he he actually had an advantage during that time because he was a salesman, um, and he made his living being a salesman. He actually had a special tag that he could get gas when he needed it. Oh wow. Uh, that's the only reason. Um, I mean, um. Because it was it was the way he was making his living, so he had to be able to drive to his clients when he, uh, when and and anybody who was a, a salesman out outside salesman like him, yeah. whatever the sales is, would have that tag. Well, that's interesting. I, yeah, I, I, that only makes sense too. Um, other people who got that uh, a special tag is like police, government. Stuff like right. that. Yeah. Um, but uh yeah, uh most people you got it on alternate days. So you would get there would be a, a tag for um Sunday, Tuesday, um uh Thursday and and then Saturday. And then the other uh tag would be the other side. So right. um that's how it worked. So you would only get like one day a weekend that you could get gas. It was, oh yeah, it was yeah. a very strange thing. It was very weird. It was. I I I had to mention the energy crisis in the book too. I mean, it's not a pivotal part of the story, but it's just part of the, you know, again the landscape. Yeah. Thank you, OPEC. Um, yeah. <laughs> And see, and the clothes you put in. Oh, I've got it. I have to say, the name of uh, Mike's book is called Samantha Seventies, and it's like a continuation on his um, his former book that he wrote. Um, I Samantha take Darren. I close. I Samantha take this mortal Darren. Ah, I forgot the mortal. <laughs> <laughs> I got it was pretty good for my top of my poor little head. Yeah, yeah, it was a long title too, but I mean, it's a flip. That book was a flip on the um, a pilot episode, which was I dare and take this witch Samantha. So that makes and, sense. And since, yeah, and since that book was meant to be a, a series finale, that's why I I flipped it the title to kind of bring everything full circle. Yeah, it was it, it was a really it was a really good book. I really enjoyed that one too. I enjoyed, Thank you. I enjoyed all your books, even the big, huge encyclopedia book. Ah, uh, the Bewitch Continuum. <laughs> yes, uh, coming in at four pounds of magic. Yes, I mean I lug it out every once in a while if I want to look something up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's nice to know that it doesn't just get used for paperweights because it's good for those two. But um, yeah, I mean, well, of course, that's where that's where it all started for me writing Bewitch books. You know. Um, wanting to explore the continuity but then when I realized there was no serious finale to the show because they didn't do that back then that, that's where that's where I Sam came in but then I felt like 
I, what, I didn't originally plan to write Samantha's 70s. I thought, yeah, I, I kind of did that. I wrapped up the show. I really don't have anything else to say about it. And then one day I was, I think I was taking a bath. I get more ideas in the bathroom. I don't know why. <laughs> you, and, and, you and Agatha Christie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was I was sitting there thinking about the, the Tabitha series. Um, and I thought, wouldn't it be funny if, you know, there was a moment where, where um, Tabitha wakes up, you know, little girl Tabitha, who was only supposed to be 11 when, when the Tabitha series was on. And goes, Mother, I had the strangest dream. I was 25 and living in L.A. And I, I was... I had this little yellow card. I was working at a TV station. It was so strange. <laughs> uh, and I know I'm going to get mail, but email, but I actually really love Tabitha. <laughs> it had its moments. I, I enjoyed I, it. I, I remember. Watched, I, watched, I finally watched it. Um, I mean, I actually do remember seeing it when it was out in 1977. But, um, I, yeah, I watched the DVDs, and I, I thought, you know, there was, it had its I just, I just, I really enjoy it. I was so, I, I always get this way. I get very disappointed when it didn't continue. I couldn't understand it. I go, <laughs> I was like, why is this going on? Um, I was so upset when it got canceled. No, I really liked it. I wasn't thinking in terms of, oh, she was 11 at the end and now she's an adult and stuff. I grew up watching TV shows, so this wasn't a big deal. I mean, there were two Darrens on Bewitched. Come on. <laughs> yeah, and that, and that didn't bother me either. But, of course, you know, I didn't see any of that stuff first run. But, um, no, I, I mean, it never bothered me that there were two Darrens. Uh, uh, yes, there's still, like, this huge controversy over people arguing about which Darren was better. And I'm like, guys, it was 53 years ago. Let it go already. I know. I know. I actually like both Darrens, so I like both me actors, too. so. Yeah, same, same. <laughs> um. I mean, I can actually remember when I was a little girl and the Darren switch happened, and I didn't pick it up because I was really little when it happened. Um, but l later on, um, and I realized it was two different actors, but by that time, I'd seen them both in other shows. So I realized oh, okay. that they were actors. Like um, uh, uh, Dick York in um, Inherit the Wind, mm, yes. and I saw um, Dick Sargent in Operation Petticoat. So I knew that they were actors, and I mean, by that time, I mean, I lived in Los Angeles, so by that time, it was like, oh, okay, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't. Know. I was much younger. I was I was born the summer between the two Darrens in 1969 and again I didn't see any of this stuff first run but when I was little I, w I wasn't watching it going oh there's a different actor I was watching it for the for the witchcraft mainly yeah you, you know it wasn't until I was older that I started to appreciate you know the the stories and then the, oh there just happened to be two Darrens and then you know that kind of trained me for um you know soap operas too where recasts are you know that's just part and parcel of the genres so um, you don't really blink when, oh, you know, now we have the fourth actor playing Thomas. Exactly. Exactly. But with my books, so with, um, if people want to picture Dick York as Darren, they can do that. If, if they want to picture Dick Sargent as Darren, they can do that. I actually made a joke somewhere in the book where um, Tabitha's like, Oh, you know, I just realized you look different. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, to kind of make a little nod at it, like or like, like I think Tabitha sees him as Dick York's Darren, and Adam sees him as Dick Sargent's Darren because that's you know, you know, Adam Adam didn't come on until Dick Sargent was on, so that was kind of like my little joke. I I, I picked that up. Yes, I saw yeah, it. I read it. Yeah, yeah. And another Easter egg. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's full of those kinds of things. But um. No, I'll go back a little. I really like Tabitha because of the actors in it. There, oh, yeah. I loved oh, Lisa Hartman. I loved Robert Urich. I mean, the, the cast was really good. <laughs> yeah, the cast was fun. I mean, I guess 
I guess the thing with me is, you know, I, I again, I didn't see the whole series again until I was a grown-up, and after I'd written The Bewitch Continuous, of course all the continuity stuff bugged me, but in and of itself, it wasn't bad. And it was, oh, it was like very Three's Company. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Three's Company meets Bewitched, yeah. And I wanted her car. Oh, well, yeah. Did you ever notice, uh, I have a very strange mind, did you ever see the movie Foul Play? I must have. With Goldie Hawn and Chevy Chase? I'm sure I must have at some point. Well, her car was the same car as Tabitha's car. Oh, Yellow Bug? <laughs> yes! Yes! And I'm going, oh my god, it's Tabitha's car! Yellow Bug! Like, yeah, I didn't know you could drive around at age 11. Oh. <laughs> it's just really funny. Oh, that was one of the things. I don't want to spoil your book, but the part where um, that she dressed a certain way to go to school, and when it, uh, the the thing that happens to her happens, the thing you did with the clothes. Oh my <laughs> God, I couldn't stop laughing. Well, actually, I I will I will spoiler that because that's part of the. Well, let me backtrack a little bit. Uh, with Samantha's seventies, uh, there was like kind of like so much going on that. I split it into seven chapters, and each chapter is a different year in the 70s. So, um, and that's going back again. Um, the whole idea with uh, making the in joke about Tabitha and what I had this dream is how the book kind of started. And so, with that story, um, in an homage to the Tabitha series, um, Tabitha gets, she's 11 at the time, and she uh, gets her first witch disease, and she ages into a 25-year-old, and that happens while she's at school, and that and that's why she, you know, goes to school, you know, just dressed in her normal 1977 clothes, and suddenly her body, like, you know, she gets a lot taller, and, you know, develops, well, develops, and yeah, and so she's, now suddenly she's running around in clothes that are too small for her, and that's, so yeah, that was part of the joke. I just, yeah, and her shoes and everything. Oh and her shoes, God. yeah. <laughs> she's like, she's like looking down, you know, at herself and going, "When did that happen?" <laughs> it was really, I was, I felt for her because if you're a woman or a girl and you're wearing sandals that don't fit, oh my God, it kills your toes. Oh my God, yeah, I'm wearing, actually wearing sandals right now. <laughs> But just think of wearing sandals like uh, I'm like eight sizes too small. Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, really, really, really. I I I actually really enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. Um, I enjoyed the uh, part where they go for the cure. Um, oh yes, yes. They uh, Samantha and Darren have to go back in time for reasons that will become clear if you read the book. Um, but yeah, they end up interacting with uh, Samantha when she was a little girl, and you kind of get to see the the dynamic between her and Endora, and and kind of get to see where some of Samantha's personality came from. Yeah, I really like that. Um, I actually, the lonely Samantha really touched my heart. You did that very well. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I mean. Um, I love that she read everything she could get her hand on, because that really, I related to that. <laughs> oh, sure, yeah. Um, that, and the jerk next door, the one that you put in as her neighbor, the one... Oh, that I brought back, yeah, Clyde Farnsworth. Oh. Which, and he was like a one-off character, but to to refresh people's memories, he was the one that when uh, Samantha found the spooky chair that uh, had been transformed. It was really Clyde Farnsworth, this, this guy who you know had a crush on her growing up when they were living in Boston. And so that's why, you know, when they go back, you know, they go back to Boston. That was one of the things that was fun about the book too, was being able to take the little details that were mentioned in the series that weren't meant really to be developed and taking them and developing them mm -hmm. and, and combining things that, you know, maybe you wouldn't expect to be combined and also changing the story up a little. I mean, the, the main conceit of Bewitched was people not finding out about the witchcraft and Endora, you know, 
antagonizing Darren, and of course Darren antagonizing Samantha, but by the end of I, Samantha, Take This Mortal Darren, uh, spoiler alert, people find out she's a witch, that's, that's the main story and, and why things happen in that book, but to continue on from it, um, first I needed to explore people's reactions to Samantha being a witch, so the whole first chapter is about the mixed reactions she, she gets to that, and, and some surprising uh, people reacting in surprising ways, but then I didn't want to, you know, go back to the whole thing of Endora you know, just antagonizing Darren because the whole thing too about Bewitched was that they, you know, they always advocated for for acceptance and mm -hmm. inclusion, and it was starting to go in that direction. And so I felt like the relationships needed to evolve, and so I kind of turned things on their head that way and, and the entire 1976 story which takes place during the bicentennial is basically witches having to examine their attitudes towards mortals which again are mixed and um, you know it, it was basically a, a, a study of racism which I think is really important right mm -hmm. now and which the show did as well so that's I had to put that in there I actually really loved the uh, year you put that in because that was the year I graduated from junior high school, and th that was our theme was the uh, the uh, bicentennial. I mean, everything was red, white, and blue. It, I remember. A, I remember. It was a big deal. <laughs> oh, it was huge. I remember it. I if you want, you can look in the back of the book. There's a picture of me wearing my you know, 1776 pajamas. I mean, yeah, it was it was humongous, and I remember it very well. Yeah, it's just, I, yeah, I get, it's like, it, in fact, that was part of the theme for our yearbook. It was oh, wow. The part, it was the theme for the prom. I mean, the junior, what, they didn't call it a prom, they called it a vice versa. Um, okay, that's a weird name. Oh, that's because the girls got to ask the boys. Oh, so it's like a Sadie Hawkins kind of thing. Yeah, it wasn't. Re we didn't really have a prom in junior high. We had a vice versa. Wow. Um, it was fun. Uh, actually, the girls actually asking the boys. Um, Very progressive. Oh. It, uh, well, I, for nineteen for nineteen seventy six anyway. It, yeah, it was. It was. It, I don't know if it was progressive, but it was cool. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it is that. Um. Anyway, so yeah, just that uh, that I I we I don't remember going to any big celebration on uh, the Fourth of July. Um. I think we just watched the parade on television and watched some of the and the fireworks. We went out for the fireworks, but I think we watched the parade in, was it New York or Washington? I can't remember. Uh, could have been both. <laughs> yeah. We watched that on television. And then that night, we we lived across the street from a park where they did the fireworks, so we just walked across the street. Oh, there you go. <laughs> put our blanket out and watched the fireworks. I don't remember the day itself. Um, I do know I was... Uh, living in Alaska at the time that I was born there, but um, you know, so I had when I wrote that chapter, I want again, I wanted it to be you know as accurate as possible in terms of the historical details. So you know, I went back and did all this research and you know found out I put I put uh, the Stevens and the Tates and the Wilsons, um, which if you remember, uh, Sisters at Heart. Um, uh, Tabitha's friend Lisa. I brought her family back in there. I put them all in New York, and uh, and the witches kind of you know interact with, with with themselves and unusual groupings. And 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 I think too that um, what I wanted was to I won't say how, but I wanted that to be the kickoff to show that witches and mortals are really far more alike than they are different. And there's a particular reason for that. And again, it was just because I think our society needs to hear that we are really all more alike than we are different, no matter what our particular differences happen to be. Ultimately, you know, we're all people. So, you know, what's the big deal? I know. I mean, think about it. We are, 
We are such stuff that stars are made of. We are exactly right. what each other is. It doesn't matter what our what any of parts of us are, what any beliefs are, anything else. We're part of each other. That's that's I, absolutely right. Yeah. I mean, Shakespeare knew what he was talking about, man. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. And that's why I, I, I thought, you know, having witches and mortals, you know, being more alike than different was, you know, a great metaphor. And I felt like, at least I hope, that it followed on the message of Bewitched. And I hope that it would be something that, you know, Elizabeth Montgomery and, and William Asher would have approved of. Yeah. Yeah, I actually, that was another story in there I really liked. I liked that a lot. I liked, my favorites was that one, uh, Tabitha and Aunt Clara. Oh, yes. Those were the three. I mean, I liked the whole book. Don't get me wrong, Mike. I just Oh, so you're allowed to have your favorites. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, everybody's allowed to have their favorite, Darren. Just don't put the other one down. That's all I'm asking. I, I, there's no reason to. They're both really exactly. good actors. <laughs> exactly, but I, I, some of the other stuff that um, that I enjoyed writing um, was the the Christmas chapter, which is 1978, because they never had the entire witch mortal family come together on the show. Cause you just couldn't do that. You couldn't afford to bring all those guest stars on there, you know. So um, I felt like, okay, well, we've got to we've got to bring everyone together, and and that was fun. And the other thing the show never had was a witch wedding. Mm-hmm. So I I wanted to explore that as well, and and uh, they kind of you know have to go into the atmospheric continuum. There's all this ritual and circumstance and, and pomp and circumstance and stuff. And I just want to mention this is just a personal thing, but um, the officiant at the wedding um, turns out to be Nurse Often, and she only had like one brief appearance in an eight season episode. She was the Dr. Bombay's nurse that goes, I'm his receptionist. I'm very receptionist. <laughs> I remember her, yeah. But I, I wanted to not humanize her because she's a witch, but I mean, I wanted to give her some substance, you know. And so she, she ends up being the efficient at the wedding, and I kept thinking, well, she's got to have a name. She's got to have a name. She, nurse often is just a nickname, right? And I kept thinking, what could I call her? What could I call her? And then one night I was driving along, and it hit me. You know, my mom's name, you know, ended in an A. She, she was from the Netherlands. Her name was Hendrika. And I thought, God, that's, it's right there. It's been right there in front of my face the whole time. So, so um, nurse often. Uh, first name is an homage to my mom, and 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 I wrote that before my mom passed away. So um, now it's just like wow, I'm glad that you know I got to put that in there. Am I allowed to say who the brother of Dr. Bombay is? Um, sure. <laughs> I gave Dr. Bombay a brother. Yes. And it's somebody you'll never expect. Yes. Y'all. He's the um. What do they call it? The apothecary. The apothecary. The apothecary, played by wonderful Bernie Capel. <laughs> Bernie Capel. Yep. Yep. I I decided to give Doctor Bombay a family, and they're both you know in medicine in their own ways. Mm-hmm. So, and I won't say uh, who it is, but uh, um, well, first I I gave I gave uh, the apothecary a, a, a first name, but I won't say. But he does find love. Mhm. And y'all just have to read it to find out with who. <laughs> who is it? No, I'm joking. I know who it is. <laughs> I know you know who it is. <laughs> but that's the kind of thing I wanted to do. Is like I wanted to take these characters. I mean, yeah, I, obviously I wanted to talk about the main characters, but I also wanted to take all these other characters that got mentioned throughout the show and, and flesh them out a little bit. And um, and put them in unusual combinations. Yeah, it's funny that um, during the part where the uh, there was like a family member and a uh, prejudiced uh, warlock or witch, and they were like spying <laughs> on Samantha and her family. Um, one of the combinations was, and I thought it was really funny. Um, I, I'm sorry. I hope this is okay. Uh, Serena and Carlotta. <laughs> oh yeah. Was it Carlotta? Yeah. No, no, no. It was the other one. Piranha. Piranha. 
Piranha. Yes, yeah, Carlotta was with Carlotta was with Andorra. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I had her think about it for a second too. But yeah, yeah. Actually, I'll be honest. That's one of my favorite parts too. Is the Serena and Piranha. And oh, the, that is so disco. funny. Yes. And she's going. Well, I don't know why you're acting, uh, Piranha. I don't know why you're acting so high and mighty. You said some nasty things about uh, mortals. <laughs> Right, Serena's like, yeah, I totally did. She starts to own her her treatment of mortals. That's the thing. It's like, I, I just wanted some of these characters to have an arc. Mm-hmm. You know, instead of just being, oh, this character's you know going to do this because that's all they ever did in the show. It's like in in the in the book, you can you know go in new directions if you want to, and so that's what a a big part of what Samantha's seventies is is just taking the the stuff that we know and love and just twisting it a little bit and creating something new going forward. I always thought this is my perception from when, from kidhood to now, but I always thought that Serena and Uncle Arthur was pretty much in Samantha and Darren's corner. I mean, they drove them crazy in their own way, but if they were in danger, they seemed to protect them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they... they I think I think Serena had a grudging respect for Darren and and Uncle Arthur. I mean, he was just a jokester. He was never really malevolent towards mm-hmm. Darren. I mean, there was this one episode where he kind of was, and I, in in the Bewitched Continuum, I, I was like, uh, yeah, that's really kind of out of character. But it was it was only the one time. But yeah, for and then Clara. I mean, they were they were all kind of you know in in Darren's corner to an extent, much more so than the others. The one episode where it was really beautiful with uh, Andorra and Darren was when, it was it Tabitha or when Adam was born? It was Tabitha. Tabitha, when they cried and they were hugging each other. It was the sweetest thing. It was yeah. the first time that they acted like relations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like actual family. Yeah. But that was one of my, that's one of my favorite scenes is just that. Sometimes oh yeah, mine too. Yeah. I, I'm a mushy. I like scenes like that. <laughs> <laughs> it got you a little verklempt. Yes, exactly. I just I I I like scenes where it's unexpectedly sweet. Yeah, I like that stuff too. Um. Anyway, because Endurance uh protected Darren from Maurice. That's right. And who who saw that coming? Yeah, exactly. Actually. I have to tell you, Maurice was one of my favorite characters for many reasons, but one of them, when I was a little girl, I never even heard of Shakespeare until I watched Bewitched. Oh! (laughs) And all these wonderful things that he said. I think I was about eight when I realized that this is really cool. And I so I asked my parents, what is he talking from? Is that a book or is that a story? Where is that from? And my father explained to me about Shakespeare, and he gave me a children's book of Shakespeare. Because any time I showed an interest in any kind of writing, my dad would go out and find something that I could understand and would talk about it. Oh, that's pretty cool, though. Yeah. My dad wanted us to be readers, which we are. Um my mom wanted us to love classic movies, and my dad wanted us to read anything we could. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. So, yeah. Oh, and that's one of my favorite memories with my mother is that uh, she said, you do know that the my mom knows knew everything about every movie star, every TV star. You want to know who they were married to? My mom knew. <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it, who she, who they dated, who they broke up with, who was divorced. I mean, my mother knew the entire story about practically every movie star until uh, when she got older, when she didn't know who these people were, you know, reality oh, yeah, stars yeah. and stuff like that. But movie stars she knew. And so when we were watching Bewitched and we were a little older, my mom goes, well, you do know that this show came from two movies. One was I Married a Witch, and the other one was Bell, Book, and Candle. And I hadn't seen either of them yet. And I love both of them. But you, back then, you couldn't get a DVD or 
or, That's right. or, uh, That's right. or a tape. Yeah. We didn't have tapes yet. We didn't have any. So uh, you had to wait till it came on one of the channels that showed movies. And, right. And it could be cut up because the first time I saw, um, well, Bell Book and Candle was pretty good. It was pretty complete. But when I first time I saw I Married a Witch, they cut that to ribbons. Oh yeah, gotta squeeze in those commercials. It was on. It was one uh, because I think Bell Book and Candle was on PBS, so it was pretty complete. And yeah. That, but um. But I Married a Witch was on one of the independent stations, which they had to put all those friggin' commercials for like. Cal Worthington in this dog oh spot. Oh, my God. Go see Cal. Go see Cal. Go see Cal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I remember I remember Cal very well. Oh, my God. It was so funny. I was like, I, I can't believe you know Cal. I didn't know. I, was, I, I lived in L.A., too. Oh, I forgot you lived here. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you lived in Southern California. Because I know um, that Cal Worthington was only a California car lot guy, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember... I think I think his dealership was in Long Beach. Yeah, or, it is, yeah. It was in it was one of the ones that were in. Um, the, there's a huge. It's still there. There's one yeah. of these huge things. It's all car lots. As you drive down the freeway, all you do is see cars. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of those, but I think yeah, there's. One. I think it's the one in Long Beach. Yeah. I yeah, mean, yeah. I, I, lived in, I lived in Long Beach, and I remember seeing those commercials for him all the time. Cal's long dead, and so I, his and I, was it was a was it a Ford dealer? That I don't remember. I don't I, remember what dealership he had. No, I think it was a used car, so he had everything. Yeah, I think that's why I can't remember a specific brand. Yeah. But I just remembered his dog spot was a tiger, a camel, oh God, a horse. Boa right. <laughs> constrictor, I don't know, but he, anything but a dog. Yeah. I mean, it, it was apparently, I don't remember it because I was a kid, but when he first started in the uh, 60s, he, my dad and mom told us it was a dog. <laughs> it was a Dalmatian. It was a dog. Right, and then he, he just got weird, and he started having all this <laughs> other stuff. I mean... I think it, it's kind of funny. Yeah. I, yeah, it was... I mean, it was obviously some advertising guy that came up with that, and he was in California. Well, yeah, yeah. Let's let's change it up by doing this. Yeah. yeah. I think he was on an elephant, and his that was his dog spot, if I remember. I, re- I remember him being on an elephant. Yeah, I think he was on an elephant. I mean, it was the weirdest commercial, but you don't forget it if you... I was just going to say, you always remember that kind of stuff. I mean, that, that's something I, I still have. It was so funny because my brother and I were talking. Back then, even those type of commercials stuck in your head. You knew what they were selling. You oh, know? yeah, there was no missing it. Yeah, it just... It, um, now it's sometimes it's so subtle you don't even know what they're selling. That's true, unless it's a farmer, a farmer, uh, a drug. Yeah, but then yeah, because then you have to see all the, all the ways it can kill you. Yeah, let's just have a thirty-second commercial with eighteen seconds of side effects. Yeah, yeah. In fact, it's, it's kind of funny because I'm I'm uh, shooting a short film, um, that's basically uh, a, a screenplay adaptation of this one-woman show about this one woman. Uh, experience in the mental health system, and I thought, you know what? I when she's in the ER, you know, watching TV or whatever, I wanna I wanna have like one of these pharmaceutical commercials, but it's gonna be kind of like a parody. So, um, so I I I uh, it's my one cameo, like Alfred Hitchcock, and I I I got filmed, you know, walking around the woods, you know, with this dog and stuff, and it's gonna be, you know, Garnix causes this, and blah, blah blah blah, you know, and when they showed the side effects. Just going to be this really fast scroll of like 20 side effects in like two or three seconds. (laughs) I can't remember what the guy's name was, but um, he used to talk really fast and he did all these commercials. He died very young. Oh. He he, he would um, he would do like um, like Alka-Seltzer or an insurance commercial or something like that. But his big shtick was he would talk like I'm sure I heard him. I just can't remember who it is either. But yeah. I must have 
you know, if he was around when we were growing up, I must yeah. have, I must have heard that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was more later. I think it was like, uh, when I was in college. So you were probably in high school. Oh, okay. Okay. I still probably heard it cause I watched TV like crazy back then. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, but it's just so funny. I, I, but like I said, it, um, you had to wait. It's just like Star Trek. I didn't get into Star Trek until I was a teenager, until I was like, I was working at Universal Studios, and um, one of the girls I knew from college uh, found out that my cousin was in Star Trek The Motion Picture. And, oh, yeah. And um, she goes, oh, are you going to go see it? She was a Star Trek fan. And I said, no, I don't watch Star Trek. And he goes, well, you got to go see your cousin. I go, I don't think Howie would mind uh, because it's it's a small part. And he go, and she goes, no, no, you got to see it anyway. I fell in love, even though everybody hates that movie. I fell in love with Star Trek from that movie because of the Kirk Spock relationship in the movie. Although at the beginning of the movie, I kept asking her. Don't Spock and Kirk like each other? Why are they yelling at each other? Why are they acting so nasty to each other? Shh, wait! Because <laughs> we were in the movie theater. And I was saying it, whispering it. I wasn't saying it loud. But it was just, I didn't understand. Because uh, the, the part I knew about it were that Spock and Kirk were best friends. Um, so that, but anyway, so, like I said, you couldn't just, uh, get a DVD of Star Trek, the original series, you had to wait until it was on reruns and watch the reruns. And sometimes the reruns weren't in order. So I used, I got a book of the Star Trek episodes and I would mark off as I saw each one of the 39 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't, don't get me started on the reruns. Um, my brother was a Trekkie and I... Every time I, I just happened to watch him watching Star Trek, it was always that episode with the freaking Gorn. That's and why I didn't want to see it. Exactly. Yes, it scared I it was me. So stupid. Even then, I was like, this is dumb. You know, and I and so because of my brother, you know, we went to go see the motion picture, and I had no idea what was going on. I mean, visually, you know, as a ten-year-old, I thought it was pretty cool, and I I was just starting to get into spacey stuff back then. But I didn't start watching Star Trek until Next Generation, and even then, it was like two or three seasons in, and even then, it was only because of Riker. <laughs> Because I I saw him and I was in love, baby, and uh, and but it was from that that I started, you know, watching the whole series and and got into that, and, and then of course getting into um, I, I want to say everything else, but uh, everything up till en- uh, up until um, Enterprise anyway. But um, I haven't really gotten that much into the newer stuff, although I I uh, I, ha- I am watching Star Trek Picard, um, but I I kind of wait. I'm kind of waiting on season two until I get the DVD because you know I didn't I didn't want to uh, subscribe pay for a subscription to whatever streaming service that's on now. I'm in Canada too, so it's a little bit different. Um, but yeah, so that was yeah that was my Star Trek experience. That 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 damn Gorn. <laughs> I know, darn Gorn. And uh, it, I also um, like Riker. Um, but you know, Fine, I don't <laughs> but the one I really found fascinating was Deanna. Oh yeah. The, I love her. Because the reason why was because she was an empath, which I understood cause I had, I have some of that myself. I do too. And yeah. so I understood that, but her relationship with her mother she loves her, but she drives her crazy. I'm going, God, it's like my relationship with my mom. <laughs> I love my mother, but she's all she wants for me is to get married. And I mean, she, just like Luxana and Troy, I mean, it's exactly the same relationship. I'm going, oh, my God, who wrote this? I understand. All, all I can think of now is coffee talks. Like I, I love my mother. I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to her condo now, and it's starting to smell from old lady. Bye back. <laughs> no, but with, with but Deanna, I I can relate too because um, my uh, my ex then 
we kind of had like a quasi Riker Deanna relationship, and uh, uh, he still calls me Imzadi. Oh. You know, and that was you know all those years ago. So yeah, that's that's how he refers to me. Yeah. Well, remember, um, Riker and Deanna's relationship was years earlier. That's right. Yeah. But he still called her Imzadi. So exactly. It's that yeah. Fine. You're fine. Yeah. Oh, oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Isn't it weird how you get in? You just you become a part of these shows. It's just oh, and, yeah, and they become a part of you for sure. Yeah, my and God, it was like um, there's certain shows that just click. Yeah, like, and you don't, and you don't know why. Yep. It's not like you really go out purposely. I mean, it's like that with people too. You click with some people and and not know why. But yeah. Um, I like Bewitched. It's like I, I I hadn't even heard of it, you know, up until 1977 when when uh, you know I happened to sit down and and watch the TV one day after school and you know I see this blonde woman you know doing this weird thing with her nose and her hand and some this bucket appears over this guy and it pours water on him and I, from that you know that's from I Confess of course the the um, intro to I Confess. And I was hooked from that moment on, and, and I couldn't tell you why. I just was, and it, yeah, it's the same way with other shows. Yeah, it's just it's it's, and and especially, no offense to TV shows today. There's some I really like, but there's something about the older shows that, first of all, the seasons were longer. Oh yeah. And that was always good that the seasons were longer because that gave you a real understanding of the show, the character, you know, um, the people on it, the what what's really going on. So that's why when you watch Bewitched, you have a lot of episodes to fall in love with the oh, show, yeah. you know, yeah. in just the first season. Um it's just it, because shows are so short now. I mean, you're lucky if you get 20 episodes. Yeah, I mean, even like going back to Star Trek Picard. I mean, first their first season was like 10, and the pacing was so fast. You know, because they're you know they're trying to they're trying to kind of have the a similar tone to the J.J. Abrams movies, and it just it, so much of it was like so blinding and so fast. I was just really having trouble keeping up, and I don't think that's because I'm older. I just think it's because they it, it's too fast. I like, uh, there's a Star Trek, The Strange World, Strange New World. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that yet. Oh, it's so, really good. You should see it. Yeah, I've been hearing that, yeah. It's like, um, it's like, it's really, it, it's a Star Trek but the way the show is done, and it's not, ep it's episodic, it's not, the arcs are there, there are arcs, but it's more like, it's like, did you ever watch Xena? Um, no. There was, a, uh, in Xena, you never knew what the episode was going to be. You didn't know if it was going to be a drama, or a comedy, or a musical, or a, um, a melodrama, or slapstick, or, or a fairy tale, or what. And that's what Strange New World is like. It's oh, really cool. fun. Yeah, I definitely have to catch up on that. That's uh, I I and I know there's some people who want it to be with the arc and episodic and I, not episodic. Um, I forgot what linears. What self self contained. Yeah, but it's just I I and and I like the cards because I mean how can you not like Patrick Stewart? But yeah. um, but it's just I. And I'm really looking forward to the next season of Picard. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know the general premise of it, but other than that, I want to, I want to know nothing until I get my DVDs from season two. Well, the only thing that you really need to know is that it's going to be everybody's in it. Yeah, yeah, that part I do know. That 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 doesn't give anything away. But no, no, it doesn't. But the cast, this next generation, is in it. Yeah. So um, that makes me very happy. Oh, uh, me too. Um, but um, anyway, so we're talking about Bewitched, which is what the point of 
our conversation is, but that's why <laughs> I fell in love with Bewitched is because Bewitched was uh, one of those shows that I love the magic and I love the characters and I I it, it was it was it was sentimental. I don't have I don't understand why people don't like sentiment anymore. It was there was love and that was the point of the story. Yeah. I mean that was the whole thing. It was it, yes, it was acceptance and and belief that um everybody should accept each other. That was a very important. But really the central theme of Bewitched was love. That's right. That that people loving each other in relationships and people loving each other in general. Mhm. And I and that, I I even though I was really really young, I saw that right away. I might have, yeah, I, I, it's interesting, I hadn't thought of it that way, but I must have picked up on it, too. Because that's the point. Yeah, definitely. And definitely the point. It's just worth it, just because of that. Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, and, and the magic. Love, yeah, well, I mean, love is magic. Yeah, that's right. That's you know? right. And um, vice versa, so. I yeah. love stuff with magic in it, so, that, yeah. I love Bewitched, so let, that's why you're here. Um, but we're going to change subject. <laughs> uh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, we want to talk about want to talk about the book that you're reissuing. Why don't you tell them about it? Well, my first book. Let's see. There's. Uh, I have to backtrack a little bit. Actually, I came up with the story when I was in high school uh, back in 1986. That's how far back this thing goes. Um, it's called Undo the Deed. Um, the story is basically um, a time travel story with a child abuse theme. Uh, there's a girl, Amanda Grant. She's uh, 17 and she's living in 1987 and her father is uh, alcoholic and he's abusing her and um, one night uh, he almost kills her and she you know drives away and crashes her car uh, but when she comes to it's 1965 and ultimately she gets a, a chance to meet her father as a teenager and he's going through the exact same thing you know with his father so she figures that if she can, you know, become his friend and, you know, try to, you know, help him somehow that maybe he won't end up being the, you know, violent, abusive person that he is in the 80s. Um, and that goes well to a point, but then things get messy when uh, he falls in love with her, of course, not knowing that she's his future daughter. So that's, that's basically the story of, of Undo the Deed. And I started writing it in high school. Um, I didn't finish it until many, many years later, and then I, I rewrote it and what have you. But uh, ultimately, that was published in uh, 2002, and I decided that this year, um, because now with self-publishing, you know, we can do stuff for ourselves and not be dependent on, you know, crappy publishers. Oh, did I say that? <laughs> anyway. So yeah, so I decided to uh, reissue it with a with a new cover because I was never really happy uh, with the with the first cover. So thank you Fiverr um, and also Dark Art One, who's the artist I went to for that. And um, it was it was tempting to think, oh, you know what, you know, I I my writing is different. Twenty years later, I can go back and and you know fix this up and cut that out but I decided you know what for for historical accuracy which I'm big on uh, I decided no, nope I'm leaving it just the way it is uh, it's it's still it's still pretty good actually I went back and, and reread it and I, I still enjoy a lot of it and um, the only thing new is you know I, I uh, you know put in some of my uh, original notes from 1986 and and a, and a intro and also I updated, um, even in, in 2002, I, I had a section in the back with resources for abused uh, people, um, both in the States and in Canada. Um, and some of those, some of that information has changed since then, but I, I felt like it was important to put that in to try to, to help people. And so, yeah, so um, that uh, reissue is out on Amazon right now. Cool. And um, so you changed the cover, and yeah, 
did you put like a, you said you put in did you put a forward in or did you just uh oh yeah yeah i wrote a i wrote a, a forward so that people understand what's going on <laughs> <laughs> well i mean more to explain the you know how the book came to be and what i hope to do with it and you know um the the creation of the of the um anniversary edition yeah okay all right, and um, we're coming to the end. Uh, I thought you—you you bet. I bet you thought it never would come. No. <laughs> but I just want to know: uh, Do you have a website? Um, I used to, but what I have now is um, a Facebook page, uh, the Bewitch Continuum. Um, that of course covers all the Bewitch-related stuff. But there's another page I created. Um, called the magic of AMJ. Of course, AMJ is for Adam Michael James, and um, <laughs> and all, all all my creative endeavors get discussed on that. So that includes the Bewitch stuff, but it also includes Undo the Deed. It includes, you know, uh, I was a background actor uh, for a long time in LA. It, it includes some of that stuff. Um, just anything anything that tickles my fancy in that particular moment. <laughs> okay, I like that. I understand that too. Um, uh, the other thing, uh, so people can say hi. What um, other than Facebook? Do you have social media? And what social media do you have? Oh, well, I'm on, I'm on Twitter, um, and that's um, AMJ underscore. Is it underscore? Uh, I don't know. I, I lied. I don't think it's underscore. AMJ Bewitched. Let me just double check so I don't send people to the wrong place. <laughs> oh my god. I yeah I I'm not on I'm not on Instagram or TikTok because I don't quite understand the point of all that stuff, but I probably I probably should at least get on TikTok because that that that's where the kids hang out, right? That's what they say. I am not even attempting it. I'm on Instagram yep. and that's as far as I go. <laughs> technically, technically, I have an Instagram account, but I never use it. Oh, Twitter, yeah, it's AMJ underscore Bewitched. Okay. Yeah. So you did have an underscore, and you questioned yourself. I did. <laughs> I did. Well, it's like, you know, it's like memorizing people's phone numbers now. It's like you don't have to. <laughs> Are you on LinkedIn or Tumblr or Pinterest? Uh, no, I won't. no, not on not on any of those. Okay. I'm just trying to get everything, you know, just so. I know, trying to get people to connect with me, which I would love. But, yeah, Facebook's the big one, but I also have Twitter. Okay. Um, I want to thank you for taking time out of your day to come on my show. I really appreciate it. Oh, I really appreciate you just, you know, talking about my my bewitched work and, and getting a chance to, uh, you know, let people know about them. Yeah. Yeah, and because um, you did this during the pandemic, right? Samantha's Samantha's, Samantha's, yeah, Samantha's 70s was written during uh, the first wave of the pandemic, yeah. So that that was my pandemic project. Yeah, it's really interesting to see what people come up with during this time. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I had wanted to write the story anyway. I had to come up with it in, in 2019, but I was thinking, when am I going to be able to do this? And, and then all of a sudden I was like, oh, we're in lockdown. Guess what I'm doing? <laughs> well, at least you're doing something creative. That's very important. Yeah, yeah exactly. What certainly helped me through that that initial isolation, yeah. Yeah, that plus uh, books and movies. That's what helped me. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I read, I think I read every book that's on my, no, I couldn't possibly because I have all my dad's and my mom's books, too. Um, <laughs> but I, I read through a lot of books on my bookshelves. <laughs> I was I was too busy plotting out a, and writing a book to actually read anything at that time. But uh, Yeah, but the, but, uh, the lockdown took a long time. Oh yeah, well I mean with Samantha's seventies, I think how long did that take? About four, four or five months, something like that. Yeah, I, 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 you, that's how it usually takes to write a book. But then you have to edit it and all that. Yeah, yeah, that, and that's a pain. But you know, we were. I mean, I, I live in Canada, so we had we, um, you know, were provided for in a different way than the states were. So um, I had plenty of time to to do editing. <laughs> 
Well, as long as you had your time, it's fine. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and so uh, anything else that is coming out that you want to let the people know? Um, eventually, uh, I've been meaning to, to uh, do this for a while, but I do have a, a, a small little book that's going to come out uh, sometime in the next year uh, called The Planet Kidia. Uh, which I'm not going to say anything else about for the moment, just because it's in the early stages, but uh, that that's going to be a fun one. It's going to be mostly illustrated, which is why it, it's taking a while for it to come out, because I don't draw. <laughs> if, 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 if I did, nobody would want to buy it. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to think I'm blessed with many talents, but drawing is not one of them. Yeah. But, um, but in the meantime... Um, Everything that I've written is out on Amazon. Undo the Deed, the 20th Anniversary Edition, the Bewitched Continuum, all four pounds of it, and, of course, the fiction, uh, fictional series finale, I, Samantha, Take This Mortal Darren, and the book that we came here to talk about, Samantha's 70s. Perfect. Um, thanks, Mike, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, Thank you, Sherry. It was so much fun. Thank you. And thank you for chatting with Sherry.